Welcome to HackerCast, an AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. Today is April 28, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1. Favorites. 1. Automakers are starting to admit that drivers hate touchscreens from Slate.com. The topic at hand is the automotive industry's recent shift away from touchscreens and back towards buttons and knobs, a delightful development for those frustrated with the distractions and learning curve associated with these screens. As drivers lament the prevalence of touchscreens in modern car interiors, manufacturers such as Volkswagen and Porsche have heated customer feedback, reintroducing physical controls. This changing tide is mostly driven by consumer backlash rather than new regulations or corporate responsibility. The article highlights the proliferation of touchscreens in car dashboards over the last 15 years, a trend traced back to Tesla's tablets on wheels branding. Although these screens were initially perceived as cutting edge, the reality is that their implementation is driven by cost as screens can cost less than $50 to produce, making them less costly than tactile controls. While they might promote modernity and convenience, this trend towards touchscreens has had negative ramifications for road safety. Drivers often look down to navigate screen menus, inevitably diverting attention from the road, leading to increased accident risk. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, has recommended limits on the duration of driver glances at screens and task completion time, but with little enforcements or adherence from car manufacturers. Recent studies have displayed the risks associated with infotainment touchscreens, reinforcing the inefficiency and danger they present compared to physical buttons. Frustration with touchscreens has grown as consumers become more vocal about their issues, with car manufacturers taking notice. Porsche, for instance, has reintroduced buttons in its 2024 Cayenne model, while Volkswagen has dropped its steering wheel touch controls. Other manufacturers, like Nissan and Hyundai, avoided the touchscreen trend altogether, vouching for buttons and dials. Disappointingly, NHTSA has not taken any public action or congratulatory stance towards automakers adopting safer designs. On the other hand, some companies, such as Mercedes, continue to push touchscreens, with their 2024 E-Class featuring three screens. Moreover, General Motors announced its incompatibility with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto for future models, forcing drivers to adapt to novel infotainment systems, which could pose a safety risk. To quote Matt Farah, car reviewer and host of The Smoking Tire, the irony is that everyone basically accepts that it's dangerous to use your phone while driving. Yet no one complains about what we're doing instead, which is fundamentally using an iPad while driving. 2. Steven Spielberg, no film should be revised based on modern sensitivity from TheGuardian.com. Renowned director Steven Spielberg has recently shared his thoughts on the alteration of older films to accommodate modern sensibilities, declaring that no film should be revised based on the lenses we now are, either voluntarily, or being forced to peer through. The 76-year-old filmmaker, speaking at Times 100 Summit in New York City, expressed regret over his own decision to remove guns from a later release of his 1982 sci-fi blockbuster E.T., The Extraterrestrial. In the 20th anniversary edition of the movie, firearms were replaced with walkie-talkies, an alteration that Spielberg later referred to as a mistake. Delving deeper into his reasoning, Spielberg stated, I should have never messed with the archives of my own work, and I don't recommend anyone do that. He believes that movies serve as a signpost of where we were when we made them, what the world was like and what the world was receiving when we got those stories out there. The director also mentioned the controversial re-editing of Roald Dahl's work, asserting his disapproval of censorship in that manner. This conversation highlights the importance of preserving the original context and intent behind artistic creations. While some modifications might be well-intended, they can ultimately strip away the richness of the work and the broader conversations it can inspire.
In Spielberg's own words, it's our history, it's our cultural heritage. 3. As I am currently in a war zone, I don't have many options for cabling from electronics.stackexchange.com. In this electrical engineering stack exchange discussion, the article explores the potential use of clothesline steel core wire rope as a temporary solution for AC and DC electrical applications in a war zone, where the author has limited access to resources. Measuring 13 meters, with a 1 millimeter diameter steel core and a resistance of 3.8 ohms, options are provided to minimize power loss and ensure safety by placing an inverter as close to solar panels as possible, choosing a lower current, using copper wire for connections, and connecting solar panels in series. However, concerns remain over waste energy, temperature rise, and insulation with mains voltage. Alternative suggestions from users include using lead or tin, and a garden hose as housing and insulation. While steel core wire rope is not ideal, this piece highlights creative solutions for electrical conduction amid challenging conditions. 4. Transformers from scratch from e2ml.school. This article dives deep into the world of transformers and their application in natural language processing. Introduced in a 2017 paper, transformers revolutionize the field of NLP through their ability to selectively focus on specific parts of sequences and predict the next word in a context-aware manner. The attention mechanism, along with concepts like one-hot encoding, embeddings, positional encoding, and de-embedding, form the foundation of these powerful models. As the article progresses, the author delves into the more complex aspects of transformers, such as the use of matrix multiplication, transition matrices, and the implementation of masking. The attention mechanism is explained in detail, and the importance of embeddings and ReLU nonlinearity is discussed, as well as the concept of multi-head attention that enables the model to address the limitations of the softmax function. The author emphasizes that understanding the intricacies of transformers, their underlying concepts, and the manipulation of matrix shapes can enhance readers' comprehension of generative language models and their applications. The article is highly informative and provides valuable insights into the complexity and nuances of transformers and their role in revolutionizing natural language processing. 5. Why is OAuth still hard in 2023? From Nango.dev. Delving into the lingering issues of OAuth in 2023, the anonymous author of a Nango blog article details their experience implementing OAuth for the 50 most popular APIs, ultimately concluding that the situation remains chaotic. Comparing the current OAuth experience to the state of JavaScript browser APIs in 2008, the author uncovers some persisting problems. First, OAuth's standard is too big and complex, with 17 different RFCs defining the protocol. Often, rather than implementing a full OAuth 2.0 subset, API teams implement smaller parts that suit their specific use cases in order to ease their documentation process for their users. This results in numerous, slightly different sub-implementations. Secondly, Every API solution harbors subtle inconsistencies, forcing developers to read lengthy OAuth documentation in detail for each unique API. The author presents several examples of these inconsistencies. Third, many APIs still require non-standard extensions to OAuth. For instance, additional data often needs to be returned alongside the access underscore token in the OAuth flow. Although this added information can be helpful, it introduces non-standard behaviors that must be individually tailored for each API. Debugging OAuth flows also presents a major challenge in the form of vague and generic error messages. Often, these error messages do little to guide developers in identifying and fixing their issues. Moreover, an alarming 80% of OAuth flows reportedly face issues upon first implementation that demand debugging. On top of this, the approval process to build on top of APIs can be cumbersome and time-consuming, 
taking months or even necessitating revenue sharing agreements with some APIs. OAuth security is consistently evolving, and while it improves with each iteration, the challenges and requirements for developers mount. As a potential solution, the author suggests checking out Nango, an open-source, self-contained service that offers pre-built OAuth flows, secure token storage, and automatic token refreshes for more than 90 OAuth APIs. While OAuth integration still presents hurdles, tools like Nango are a step in the right direction. 6. Google Authenticator now supports Google account synchronization from security.googleblog.com. In a recent post on the Google Online Security blog, Christian Brand, a group product manager, announces an exciting update to Google Authenticator, an app that bolsters user security with two-factor authentication, 2FA. The update, now available on both iOS and Android, allows users to safely back up their one-time codes, also known as one-time passwords or OTPs, to their Google account. As explained in the post, Google released Authenticator in 2010 and recognizes its importance for internet security today. While the company strives towards a passwordless future, it acknowledges the vital role authentication codes play in online security by continually optimizing the Google Authenticator app. The app provides an additional layer of security to minimize the risk associated with signing into online accounts. Throughout the years, users have highlighted the difficulties arising from lost or stolen devices with Google Authenticator installed. Until now the app only stored OTPs on a single device, so users lost access to their services if their device was lost. This update solves this issue by securely storing one-time codes in users' Google accounts, preventing lockout and increasing both convenience and security. In addition to the improvements in Google Authenticator, Google continues to develop multiple options for secure authentication across the web, such as Google Password Manager and Sign-in with Google, as well as FIDO Alliance-supported passkeys. In sum, This update to Google Authenticator demonstrates the company's commitment to improving account security and protection for users, striving to make technology safe and accessible for everyone. 7. Prompt Engineering vs. Blind Prompting from Mitchell.com In the blog post Prompt Engineering vs. Blind Prompting, Mitchell Hashimoto sheds light on the importance of prompt engineering over the less effective blind prompting. Prompt engineering is a disciplined approach used to extract information from language models for real-world applications. Hashimoto provides a step-by-step guide to prompt engineering, stressing the need for a reliable end-to-end process to fully utilize large language models. The blog post differentiates between prompt engineering and blind prompting, emphasizing that the former is a legitimate skill with a range of practical applications. Developing this skill allows applications to reliably obtain information from language models, leading to better cost efficiency and improved accuracy. The article also points out the importance of verification in AI model outputs and recommends continuous improvement as an essential aspect of engineering practice. For those interested in advancing their prompt engineering techniques, the author recommends Lillian Wang's work on the topic. Overall, Hashimoto's article is an insightful resource for anyone looking to improve their AI models and grasp the impact of skilled prompting in the world of artificial intelligence. 8. People who use Notion to plan their whole lives from technologyreview.com In a delightful revelation, meet the people using Notion to plan their whole lives, published in MIT Technology Review, discovers the growing popularity of Notion, a workspace app originally designed for business functions like HR and sales. The article describes how its versatility and customization options have resonated with users looking to organize not only their work projects but also their personal life, with tasks ranging from trip planning to mood tracking. People are utilizing Notion for a wide array of reasons, from keeping timelines and notes of their travel plans to logging their daily water intake and meal planning. One user, Joshua Bergen, commends the app by saying, 
I've done more projects since I started using Notion in the last two years than probably the previous 10 years. Maybe it's obsessive, maybe it's too much, but it's everything, and I love it. Notion's adaptability is the main reason for its wide fan base, with numerous online communities sharing templates, advice, and tips on using the platform. However, the article does note that excessive reliance on planning apps may lead to the planning fallacy, where we prioritize making lists rather than accomplishing the tasks themselves. Additionally, using the same app for personal and work life could potentially blur the boundaries between the two, requiring continuous navigation of both realms. Nonetheless, Notion's dedicated users seem unlikely to switch to other platforms anytime soon, with one user saying she uses it to run 95% of my life. The article highlights the organic growth and attachment users have formed with Notion by sharing content and templates within communities, showcasing that the customizable software has made an impact in organizing and streamlining people's lives. 9. The four hobbies, and apparent expertise from Brooker.co.za. In this contemplative piece from Mark's blog, the author examines the common patterns found in pursuing hobbies and their connections to professional life. Mark introduces the idea of seeing every hobby or sport as four distinct pursuits when it comes to their experiences, interests, and priorities. These distinctions are defined by two axes, doing versus talking and the hobby itself versus its associated equipment or kit. The author discusses the impact of these distinctions on how engaging and welcoming communities revolving around these hobbies can be. The ability to identify which hobby quadrant an individual falls under helps determine the right path for them to enjoy the activity. Moreover, Mark emphasizes the matter of appearance and visibility of expertise. He suggests that within each hobby quadrant, the most genuine experience can be found in the top left corner, the practitioners. However, the discussers, forum posters and speakers, typically occupying the bottom two quadrants, are the most visible. Those who spend more time learning may have less time sharing their knowledge, leading to a potentially negative correlation between output and experience. In the context of professional life, particularly in the tech field, Mark notes the inadequacy of relying on tools or communication signals as proxies for competence. He advises that while strong communication skills are crucial for career growth, one must be mindful of the tension between gaining experience and sharing expertise. In conclusion, the author leaves the readers with a thought-provoking message about the importance of balance and self-awareness in both hobbies and professional endeavors. As Mark eloquently puts it, long-term, a mix is best. But I would say that, wouldn't I? Part 2 Show HN. 1. Linen.dev, a 500 kilobit Slack alternative from Linen.dev. In this latest article from the Hacker News newsletter, we take a closer look at Linen.dev's the 500 kilobyte Slack alternative. Though the author remains unidentified, the motivation behind the piece is clear to address the need for a more efficient communication platform alternative to Slack. The author delves into the world of performance optimization discussing the significance of reducing bundle size in web applications. As we dive into the article, it becomes evident that the author is seeking to make a case for Linen, a lightweight alternative to Slack. Linen comes in at a compact 500 kilobytes, making it a stark contrast to Slack's sizable 15 megabytes footprint. The author argues that a smaller bundle size results in better performance, better usability, and quicker load times, which are essential elements for any modern web application. The reader is then presented with an exclusive peek behind the scenes into Linen's optimization strategies. Some of these strategies include reducing the number of dependencies, employing tree shaking, code splitting, and efficient caching. Such tactics not only minimize the application size but also enhance the overall user experience. 
we eliminated all but the most essential features from the original application. This quote highlights the author's commitment to delivering an optimized and efficient communication platform. The conclusion underscores the importance of performance optimization and presents Linen as a viable Slack alternative. The author invites people to try Linen for themselves and experience a more lightweight and efficient communication platform. In summary, this article sheds light on the significance of performance optimization in web applications, using Linen as a practical example of a streamlined Slack alternative. Linen is highlighted for its compact size, efficient code, and minimal dependencies. Readers are encouraged to explore the potential benefits that Linen's lightweight design may offer their team's productivity and agility. The article serves as an insightful examination of the struggles modern applications face and the relevant steps developers can take to overcome these challenges. 2. Mouthpad, in-mouth Bluetooth mouse uses tongue-sensitive trackpad from Augmental.tech. Delving into the realm of Augmental, a company shrouded in mystery as there is no author or description provided for the article itself. The piece primarily serves as a means to connect with Augmental through their various social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, LinkedIn, and email. However, the absence of a more palpable content makes it quite difficult to provide an elaborate summary of the main body of the article. It might be deduced that the intent of this enigmatic piece is purely to pique the interest of the audience, urging them to unravel the purpose and offerings of Augmental through their assortment of social media channels. It is rather challenging to unmask the significance of such an article with limited information at hand. Whilst its true essence remains concealed, it does spark an intriguing discussion on the importance of social media for businesses, and the value of captivating the audience with a certain element of obscurity. Perhaps the Augmental article nudges the readers to roam further into the labyrinth of sophistication, unraveling its secrets as they traverse the digital landscape. And therein lies the subtle beauty and allure of such an elusive piece. 3 an interactive map showing live wind farm generation in Great Britain from renewablesmap.robinhawks.com. Nestled within the Hacker News newsletter, we find an intriguing visualization of renewable energy production in Great Britain titled, GB Renewables Map. The author of this interactive map remains unidentified, but it is an energy experiment creatively designed by Robin Hawks. Stepping into the main body of content, the GB Renewables Map displays real-time data that informs users about the generation of different types of renewable energy, such as wind, solar, hydro, and biomass, across the nation. The map allows users to observe the weekly aggregation of renewable energy generation data, providing a comprehensive yet accessible visual representation. Diving deeper into the GB Renewables map, one can easily observe the extent to which renewable energy has gained footing in the British landscape. By exploring different regions, users can identify and compare the types of renewable energy generated locally. For example, Wind energy proves to be dominant in the north of Scotland, while solar energy finds its niche in the sunnier southern regions. The GB Renewables map's significance lies in its ability to provide insight into the expansion of clean, sustainable energies in Great Britain. As we collectively strive to transition from traditional, environmentally harmful power sources, the map shines a light on our progress thus far. Not only does it raise awareness about renewable energy generation, but it also allows interested parties to easily access data and direct their initiatives accordingly. It ultimately serves as an educational resource that inspires reflection, curiosity, and action within the realm of renewable energy. 4. TextNet Browser, Browse the Web over SMS, No Wi-Fi underscore mobile data needed from GitHub.com. Delightful listeners, allow me to introduce an intriguing article that piqued my curiosity whilst perusing the Hacker News newsletter. The article, titled TextNet Browser slash readme.md at master middle.lucchiusenbrenner slash textnet browser middle.github, 
bears no author name but is an intricate read that walks us through the functionality of the TextNet Browser GitHub repository. This TextNet Browser is an Android app that enables people across the globe to browse the web without mobile data or Wi-Fi. Instead, it traverses the web through SMS by transmitting HTTP requests to a server where a pre-parsed HTML response is compressed via Google's Bratly compression algorithm and a custom Base 114 encoding format, inspired by Basist. An exciting feature of this app allows any user to transform their phone into a server using their primary phone number and a Wi-Fi slash data connection. Now, let us indulge in the significance of this article's contents. Leading us into a world where the internet can be accessed through SMS presents a breathtaking innovation for areas with limited or expensive data. The TextNet browser removes barriers set by inadequate data connections and costly data plans. Consequently, it bolsters opportunities for individuals to remain connected in regions with low internet penetration. Let me present you with an insightful gem. The TextNet browser, when explaining its encoding process, articulates, by encoding all data in GSM7, more data can be sent per SMS message than sending the raw HTML over SMS. Undoubtedly, this carefully designed encoding approach is a testament to the creator's ingenuity in optimizing the delivery of web content using limited resources. This innovative approach adds substantial value and, undoubtedly, enhances the user experience. Mulling over the contents of this article, one cannot help but recognize the intriguing potential of such technology, where communities with scarce or expensive data resources can benefit from an alternative means to access the internet. TextNet Browser offers a glimpse into a future where technology brings us closer and empowers individuals through innovative problem-solving. 5. I was frustrated with pricing of pager duty at Al, so made one myself from Alquiet.app. Greeting, dear listeners. Today, our journey into the world of technology news begins with an article highlighting a new application named All Quiet. This app, designed to facilitate seamless incident escalation and collaboration, was created by the astute Mads Quist, who is not only the founder but also an experienced engineering manager himself. Quist recognized the gaps in the current market as they pertain to incident escalation platforms and sought to craft the ideal solution to meet his team's needs. With the company's motto being that calm teams are productive teams, All Quiet offers a soothing touch to the stress-inducing world of incident management. The essence of the application is to serve as a reliable rock-solid availability tool, allowing it to integrate seamlessly with other tools users know and love. The cost of the app is a reasonable $4.99, and offers a 30-day free trial for users to explore its myriad features. In the words of Mads Quist, All Quiet was built to make incident escalation as soothing as yoga at the beach or a margarita at the beach. Whatever soothes you. This charming analogy demonstrates the company's firm belief that fostering a calm atmosphere yields higher productivity levels amongst teams. To better understand the motivation behind the development of this new incident escalation platform, the article directs readers to a blog post that delves deeper into the thought process. The significance of all quiet can be seen in the app's dedication to ensuring that teams do not lose important alerts and that they can enjoy their weekends worry-free. In this rapidly evolving world of technology, incident escalation platforms are increasingly becoming essential for organizations to manage tasks and emergencies effectively. All Quiet stands out as a fresh, user-friendly solution built on the cornerstone of promoting a calm, composed team environment that drives productivity and collaboration. Thus, All Quiet highlights a new and exciting entrant in the realm of incident escalation service offerings. With its dedication to simplicity and soothing environments, it is poised to cater to the ever-changing demands of engineering and management teams alike. Do give it a try, dear subscribers, and may you find productivity and tranquility within its digital embrace. 6. Duck, 
a chat-based note app for your knowledge base from site.ducknote.app. Dive into the world of Duck, a remarkable chat-based note app for your knowledge base. This free note-taking application employs chat app features tailored to facilitate your writing, thinking, and recording rather than collaboration. Delve into Duck's various features that revolutionize the note-taking process. Embracing the essence of a chat app, Duck allows you to create and manage messages with images by channels and threads. Tailored to accommodate an offline experience, Duck stores every message in your local database, thus eliminating the need for an internet connection. Auto-synchronization ensures your messages are in harmony across your devices provided they are connected to the internet and signed in with Google. Duck's versatility allows it to be installed on any device, as it is a progressive web application. You can exercise your inner Markdown expert using the supported GitHub-flavored Markdown format for lists, quotes, and text decorations. Duck supports inline code and code blocks, including syntax highlighting for code blocks. Prioritizing data privacy and ownership, Duck stores data on your browser and Google Drive, making it exportable whenever needed. As we unravel the implications of Duck's ingenious features, it becomes evident that this chat-based note app serves as an effective tool for capturing your ideas and thoughts, reinforcing your brainstorming process, and simplifying note-taking. Duck's contributions speak to a modernized approach that balances functionality, versatility, and privacy in crafting the ultimate knowledge management tool. In the words of Duck itself, Duck is a free, note-taking application via chat. Duck provides chat app features, not for collaboration, but for your writing, thinking, and recording. Elevate your knowledge management experience while ensuring comprehensive privacy and data ownership with Duck, the chat-based note app designed to enrich your writing, thinking, and recording process. Part 3. Code. 1. Bullet Train, Rails-based SaaS framework from bulletrain.co. Silently in the realm of technological advancement, a new piece on Hacker News floats to the surface, the Ruby on Rails SaaS template, Bullet Train. This article focuses on the Bullet Train Framework, an open-source Ruby on Rails solution that promises to save developers months of effort and up to tens of thousands of dollars in costs. Peeling away the layers of hype, one finds that Bullet Train is a comprehensive and well-designed framework for Ruby on Rails SaaS applications. The developers behind Bullet Train have packed it with features such as next-generation scaffolding, user authentication, team and invitation support, security and permissions, roles, and stunning graphics made possible by Tailwind CSS. Furthermore, Bullet Train offers additional features like dark mode, a full theme engine, REST API, outgoing webhooks, and third-party integrations. It is, as they state, like Rails on Rails, providing a solid foundation for rapid SaaS development. Indeed, the creators have not only taken care of the back-end features but have also given great attention to fine details such as language support, blazing fast JS and CSS, full mobile responsiveness, and even in-browser system test writing. Moreover, they provide one-click deployment to Heroku and thorough documentation, all with the aim of affording developers an unmatched Rails development experience. What does this mean for the ever-curious reader? Simply put, the bullet train framework is worth examining for those building software as a service applications on Ruby on Rails. Its rich feature set and well-documented architecture make it a strong contender for the next big thing on your development journey. One might even upgrade to Bullet Train Pro, which offers additional perks like subscriptions and billing, action models, real-time conversations, and in-app audit logs. As Bullet Train boldly claims, it is not just a Rails SaaS template, but instead a tool that packs enough punch to propel your Rails development into the stratosphere. Don't believe us? By their own words, the team behind Bullet Train passionately declares, experience Ruby on Rails development on a new level. 2. Keep the monolith but split the workloads from Incident.io.
Our focus today will be on an article titled Keep the Monolith, but Split the Workloads from Incident.io. The author, Lawrence Jones, advocates for monolithic architectures rather than microservice ones, despite their scalability and reliability challenges when a codebase becomes larger. He discusses the benefits of a technique called splitting your workloads that can mitigate some of these challenges, while still preserving the advantages of monolithic architectures. Jones recounts their major outage in November 2022, known as intermittent downtime from repeated crashes, which resulted in their app crashing multiple times in 32 minutes. He posits that if they had used a microservice architecture, the crash might have been contained to only the specific service responsible for the issue. However, microservices come with their own set of challenges such as distributed system problems and the need for RPC frameworks. To address these concerns, the author presents two rules for running monoliths. 1. Never mix workloads, this involves splitting the app into separate tiers of deployment for each workload type, thus creating isolated deployments that can succeed or fail independently. This approach maintains the benefits of the monolith while solving the problems mentioned earlier. 2. Apply guardrails, the author states that it is essential to create guardrails and limits around resource consumption, specifically for shared resources like database capacity. By specifying upfront resource usage expectations and applying easy configuration, one can protect against one part of the monolith consuming too much of a shared resource. Jones concludes by emphasizing that monoliths, albeit with their scalability and reliability issues, shouldn't be cast aside in favor of microservices, which come with their own set of problems. By examining the core issues at hand and adding guardrails or building limits into the code, one can preserve the advantages of a monolithic architecture while emulating some of the benefits of microservices. 3. Rye, Flask author's new project for Python bootstrapping from github.com. The article delves into Rye, an experimental Python utility developed by Armin, which aims to serve as an all-in-one solution for Python requirements. Rye assists developers in managing Python installations, pyproject.toml files, dependencies, and virtual environments. Built in Rust, the tool is exclusive to Linux and Mac OS operating systems, making its operations rather seamless with the use of commands like RyeSync and RyePin. While still in its experimental phase and having its imperfections, Rye brings to light the question of whether it should exist, potentially offering a solution to prevailing standardization issues in the Python packaging world. Moreover, it focuses on what Python could become, rather than solely on the existing innovations. In conclusion, Rye is an intriguing alternative tool for managing Python installations and virtual environments, with the potential to introduce valuable innovations to the community. The fact that the tool has generated interest on platforms like GitHub highlights its significance and the need for further exploration by developers. 4. My shell set up with fish and mucks from Melanvit.net. In a captivating article titled My Ultimate Shell Set Up with Fish Shell and Mux Part 1, the unidentified author shares their affection for their personal shell setup and introduces readers to the features and benefits of using Fish Shell, a more user-friendly alternative to the widely used Bash and ZSH shells. The author offers a detailed guide to setting up and customizing Fish Shell, complete with plugins and themes, and shares practical advice for navigating the transition from more traditional shells. At the heart of such a setup is the Fish Shell, which is not compliant with traditional POSIX syntax, requiring some adjustment for those accustomed to Bash and ZSH. The author provides insightful instructions on installing the fish shell and the package manager OhMyFish, suggesting helpful plugins like Wi-Fi password for displaying the current Wi-Fi password and Z for easily changing directories based on their names. They also recommend the bobbed fish theme and provide their personal config.fish file for customization, demonstrating how to implement the forget function to remove previous commands from the shell's history.
the author emphasizes the differences between fish shell and other shells, hoping that their little table of commands will help users overcome potential obstacles. They note that a more comprehensive guide to using fish shell can be found in the official documentation https colon slash slash fishshell.com slash doc slash current slash fish underscore for underscore bash underscore users html. To quote the article, if you follow the guide properly, and if I haven't missed anything, your terminal should now look fairly similar to mine. This serves as a testament to the author's clear and detailed instruction, empowering readers to create a shell environment suited to their preferences. Unfortunately, the Tmux component of this guide will have to wait, as the author promises a future installment focusing on that topic. In conclusion, the article provides an informative and engaging exploration into the world of fish shell and its customization possibilities. This serves as both a valuable resource for those interested in trying out and customizing their terminal experience with fish shell and an intriguing glimpse into the preferences and priorities of the author themselves. 5. Ruby's switch statement is flexible from Akshayho.com. The article, titled Ruby's switch statement is more flexible than you thought, dives into the versatility and flexibility of Ruby's switch statement due to its dynamic nature. It explores the various ways you can use the statement and its underlying mechanism of employing the equals 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 operator. Though the standard form of Ruby switch statement is called case and when rather than switch in case, the article demonstrates how it doesn't require break statements, unlike other languages. The author explains that Ruby compares the expression value provided in the when clause with the value in the case clause using the equals 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 operator, allowing for more sophisticated yet practical applications. One interesting aspect of the switch statement is the ability to match data types of objects using the equals 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 operator. However, the author cautions against using obj.class in the case clause, as this would return false. Instead, the article suggests passing an object in the case clause and matching types in the when clause. Custom expressions can be evaluated via a lambda or even classes, which is possible because Ruby calls the equals 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 method on the value returned by the when clause. Therefore, any object with the equals 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 method can be used in a when statement. The switch statement also supports matching regular expressions using the equals 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 operator. Furthermore, pattern matching is a powerful feature in Ruby's case statement, enabling deep matching of structured values and binding the matched parts to local variables. In summary, this article highlights the underestimated flexibility and capabilities of Ruby's switch statement, showcasing its versatility in various scenarios. It emphasizes the equals 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 operator as a key component, which allows for more complex and powerful expressions within the statement. 6. Indigo, a game engine for functional programmers, in Scala from indigoengine.io. Indigo, a game engine for functional programmers. The heart of today's analysis lies in an innovative and intriguing game engine, Indigo. Designed specifically for functional programmers, Indigo simplifies and streamlines game development for those proficient in Scala. Built with Scala.js and compatible with SBT and MIL, Indigo provides a truly unique experience. As we delve deeper into the mechanics of Indigo, we find that its key strengths lie in its simplicity and comprehensiveness. The engine emphasizes ease of typing and testing, which is achieved through Scala's advanced type system, purely functional APIs, and a deterministic game loop. As eloquently described by the creators themselves, the engine fosters confident development using Scala's advanced type system, purely functional APIs, and a deterministic game loop. Visual aesthetics are not compromised in favor of functionality, as Indigo is designed to support big, beautiful pixels. The engine boasts compatibility with crisp, modern, and visually stunning pixel art, while also accommodating non-pixel art games. 
The significance of this article is the introduction of a novel tool for the game developer's arsenal, one that caters specifically to functional programmers. With its Scala-powered core, ease of use, exceptional typing and testing capabilities, as well as beautiful graphical potential, Indigo represents a fresh and exciting development in the realm of game engines, inviting exploration and experimentation. Part 4. Data. 1. Datomic is free from blog.datomic.com. Newbank has recently announced that all editions of Datomic will now be available free of licensing fees. If you are not familiar, Datomic is a distributed database that provides ACID transactions, joins, and the ability to query the entire history of a system. With Datomic, applications can effortlessly transact, query, and index data with ease. Released under the Apache 2.0 license, the Datomic binaries will be readily available for direct download and use via Maven Central, without the need for sign-up. Furthermore, Datomic Cloud will be available on AWS Marketplace with no additional software cost. As their reason, Newbank states, we are doing this to make Datomic more useful to more people in more situations, and look forward to expanding the Datomic and Clojure community as a result. This change will make it easier for developers to get their hands on the software and increase its adoption. Despite the free use, it is important to note that Datomic is not open source. The binaries are provided under the Apache 2 license, which grants all the same rights to a work delivered in object form, and development will continue at Newbank, where it remains a critical piece of their infrastructure. Current agreements and support will continue in full effect, with the company offering paid enterprise support for those who need it. In their words, all current agreements and support are continued in full effect. We will continue to offer paid enterprise support. This means that if you are an existing customer who requires assistance or seeks to leverage the new licensing, you may contact Newbank for more information. In summary, the decision to make Datomic license free will provide more opportunities for developers to utilize this advanced database system, ultimately contributing to the expansion of the Datomic and Clojure community. And although it is not open source, the Apache 2.0 license ensures that the rights and benefits of this arrangement are well suited to users and the growth of the software. 2. Ways to shoot yourself in the foot with Postgres from PhilBooth.me. Phil Booth delves into the common mistakes associated with PostgreSQL in his Article 9 Ways to Shoot Yourself in the Foot with PostgreSQL. Many of these issues, particularly scalability-related ones, may not arise while your database is small but could potentially surface later, which is why it's essential to be aware of them. The article highlights the importance of proper configuration, such as updating the default value for work underscore mem, which governs the memory available to each query operation. If not updated, the performance might degrade drastically when the application grows. Additionally, the author cautions against pushing too much application logic into Postgres functions and procedures, as they can consume memory and CPU resources that should be available for running queries. When it comes to triggers, opt for using generated columns or materialized views, which are better optimized by Postgres. Booth also advises against heavy use of Notify, as it can consume resources needed for other tasks, and instead suggests using a FIFO table for event management. To achieve accurate query plans, use a dedicated sandbox instance alongside your production infrastructure. The author compares common table expressions, CTEs, and subqueries, suggesting that subqueries can often be more performant. However, the most important thing is to consistently use explain-to-compare approaches for complex queries. Booth recommends denormalizing graphs to materialized views or tables, especially when there are many more reads compared to writes. Another critical aspect when optimizing is adding indexes to foreign keys. Finally, when comparing index columns, be aware that using is not distinct from may bypass the index and cause a sex scan. In conclusion, 
the article emphasizes the importance of understanding PostgreSQL's features and potential issues, as well as the importance of regularly evaluating query performance to ensure a smooth and efficient experience as the application grows. 3. I made a SQL game to help people learn underscore challenge their skills from lost at sql.therabinelord.com. Lost at SQL is a SQL learning game created by Robin Lord designed to help users acquire basic SQL skills, enabling them to perform queries and extract information. SQL, or Structured Query Language, is a widely used method for extracting information from databases, offering an easily transferable skill across multiple industries. With large data sets becoming increasingly common across many sectors, SQL's popularity is expected to grow, especially in business-focused analysis. SQL proves helpful in working with large internal datasets, preparing and extracting data for machine learning, GA4 data, site speed data, and raw search console data. Although machine learning tools like GPT can be used to write some queries, the real value of learning SQL lies not only in crafting queries but also in exploring data, understanding why certain queries don't produce desired results, and cleaning data or rewriting SQL for better accuracy and comprehension. As Robin Lord explains, sometimes people compare SQL work to an investigation. So you could think of learning SQL as being able to walk around a crime scene yourself, examining the evidence. Whereas using a tool to write SQL for you is kind of like having to interview someone after the event, who doesn't speak the same language as you. The learning game lost at SQL involves choosing a character and game type, learning game or expert challenges, after which a tutorial guides users through the interface. While automated tools are available, gaining SQL skills allows for a more hands-on approach, providing the user with a detective-like experience rather than relying on translations from automated tools. The significance of this learning game lies in its ability to provide a user-friendly and engaging platform for acquiring fundamental SQL skills, transforming users into more effective data detectives rather than relying on automated tools. Learning SQL through Lost at SQL can provide an essential foundation as more industries rely on large data sets and machine learning tools, preparing readers for a world where data analysis is in high demand. Part 5. Design. 2. Neat. Minimalist CSS Framework from neat.joeldare.com Delving into the world of minimalism, the article focuses on Neat CSS, a simple and lightweight CSS framework created by Joel Dare. Inspired by other minimalist websites, this framework has captured the hearts of many, as evident by its creator's exclamation, that's pretty neat. Upon reading the article, we are taken through a comprehensive journey that highlights the framework's features, design decisions, and customization options. Neat CSS is merely 2 kilobytes in size, and it caters to the emerging trend of low-energy, rapid, and efficient site development. Its size ensures that web pages load quickly on even the slowest of connections while keeping energy consumption in check. As the article unravels the framework's design decisions, it's clear that Neat CSS aims for longevity. By focusing on HTML, a technology that continues to stand the test of time, it caters to the need for future-proof design. Minification is avoided as it adds complexity, diminishes openness for inspection, and hinders accessibility. Moreover, the framework adheres to a max width of 800px for the body to promote better content retention, as supported by research. It incorporates a centered body, responsive grid system, and multiple button styling options while giving users the freedom to customize the design further. The significance of this article to its readers lies in the increasing demand for minimalist site development, a world where neat CSS seems to thrive effortlessly. Its simplicity, low energy consumption, and customizability offer developers an efficient way to create adaptable and clean web designs. By emphasizing less resource-intensive solutions, neat CSS contributes to a more sustainable and accessible web. 3. 
How to Become a Designer Who Codes from Publication.design.systems. In an article by Megan Fisher, a web designer turned front-end developer, she shares her journey and offers insights on how to become a designer who codes. Fisher emphasizes learning the basics of HTML and CSS to build websites and engaging in real-world practice to develop problem-solving skills and build a portfolio. She also highlights the importance of mastering responsive design and making websites dynamic, while noting the numerous resources available to aid learning. Fisher's article is a must-read for anyone considering adding coding skills to their design toolbox, as she provides encouragement, tips, and personal anecdotes from her own experiences. Part 6. Books. 1. The Build Your Own Database book is finished from buildyourown.org. Ah, a must-read for the modern coders and programmers out there, James Smith's recently published work, an addition to the Build Your Own X book series, is titled The Build Your Own Database book. As Smith emphasizes the importance of databases in the world of computing, he recognizes that many of today's coders do not have formal software engineering education, lacking knowledge about the inner workings of databases, compilers, and operating systems. This book's purpose is to teach these fundamentals using a from-scratch approach in succinct and condensed content. In this book, Smith follows a step-by-step approach to cover three essential topics, persistency, concurrency, and a simple SQL-like query language. The book is divided into two parts. Part 1 deals with the implementation of a key value, KV, store, and Part 2 discusses the implementation of a mini-database and a query language based on the KV store from Part 1. As Smith explains, we start from a B-tree, then to a KV store, finally to a mini-database with a SQL-like query language. Thus, readers will gain a deeper understanding of databases as they progress through the chapters. Smith's The Build Your Own Database book is a valuable resource for the engineers and programmers aiming to grasp the fundamentals surrounding databases. By shedding light on the key concepts such as persistency, concurrency, and a SQL-like query language, readers will become more adept in their programming journeys. So, do not let yourself be mystified by the magical black boxes that databases may seem to be. Instead, explore this enlightening book and uncover the exciting realm of database systems. 2 a visual book recommender from nathanrui.github.io. Nathan Rui writes about building a visual book recommender, inspired by his conviction that used bookstores are superior for discovering books. He believes this partly because financial pressure leads commercial book outlets to oversample newer books, whereas used bookstores curate suggestions based on users' interests. Additionally, Rui points to the exploration-friendly layout of used bookstores, which encourage better discovery and engagement. Thus, His goal was to create a book recommender that reflects the used bookstore experience. To achieve this, Rui started with a dataset of approximately 100M book reviews and distilled them into basic reading preferences. Using latent representation and model accuracy, he mapped books spatially based on their favorability, achieving a visual representation of their proximity. He noticed that genre clusters play a critical role in the high discovery rate at used bookstores as well. This allowed Rui to capture a nooks and crannies feeling with his visual recommender, encouraging exploration into areas that users might not explicitly search for. For technical details, Rui built the model using a basic Siamese network with a contrastive loss. He used pointwise mutual information to define similarity between books and compress the information into a 2D space through TSNE. Overall, this first iteration of the visual book recommender is promising, and Rui intends to work on a version 2.0. The current version already allows for more serendipitous book suggestions, better reflecting the experience of browsing a used bookstore.
Its potential significance to readers lies in offering a more personal and exploration-based experience, breaking away from the pattern of constant recommendations for newer books on commercial platforms. 3. The Nature of Code from natureofcode.com In this podcast, we delve into The Nature of Code, an insightful book written by Daniel Schiffman, a professor in Interactive Telecommunications Program at New York University. Schiffman's expertise extends beyond the realm of academia, as he is also the author of the prominent work, learning processing. The nature of code can be accessed in multiple formats, as a downloadable ebook bundle directly from the author, with pricing on a name-your-price basis, as a print edition, or even read entirely online for free. The book provides a wealth of information in the form of HTML with interactive processing.js examples. Furthermore, the source files for building the book and the processing code examples are also available on GitHub. It is important to highlight that the book's content, such as the text and illustrations, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 Unported License, while the source code comes under the GNU Lesser General Public License. The offerings of the nature of code can pique the curiosity of those inclined towards the world of programming or those seeking to expand their knowledge. Discussing the creation of this book, Schiffman credits the generous support of Kickstarter backers and acknowledges the inimitable contribution of the Magic Book Project. Elegantly typeset on the web in Georgia with headers in Proxima Nova, the author extends an open invitation for readers to report any mistakes or bugs in the source with a GitHub issue or by contacting him directly. Now, it may be tempting to dismiss the significance of a seemingly technical book to the average reader. However, the unique perspectives and well-structured interactive examples presented in the nature of code can inspire and challenge the mind in ways unexplored. Even if one does not embark on a journey toward mastering programming languages, the ability to understand the nature of code can serve as a mental exercise and lead to the cultivation of new perspectives on the ever-evolving realm of technology. In our modern world, this can make all the difference in staying informed and relevant. Part 7. Working. 1. Some Mistakes I Made as a New Manager from BenCoon.net. In the article, Some Mistakes I Made as a New Manager, the author shares their experiences and challenges while transitioning from an engineering role to a managerial role. They highlight several mistakes they made and strategies to address them, such as developing better self-evaluation instincts, tailoring management styles for different team members, discussing tough issues with others, and prioritizing long-term investments. The author acknowledges that being a new manager can be difficult due to changes in skill set, responsibilities, and lack of support from companies. This insightful piece serves as helpful guidance for others in similar positions to learn from these common pitfalls and improve their management skills. 2. Deming Paradox, Operationally Rigorous Companies Aren't Nice Places to Work from CommonCog.com In the article titled The Deming Paradox, The Human Costs of Operational Rigor published on CommonCog, the author explores the impact of W. Edwards Deming's ideas on business and the potential human costs associated with them. Deming, known as one of the fathers of statistical process control, developed data tools and methods which have produced remarkable results for businesses like Koch Industries, Honda, Toyota, and Sony. However, the implementation of these tools has also led to high-stress working conditions and unpleasant work environments in some cases, like those experienced by employees at big tech companies such as Amazon. The author highlights the tension between the incredible outcomes generated by Deming's ideas and the potential negative consequences for employees. They emphasize that Deming's ideas should be seen as tools that can be misused if not approached carefully. This article may be of interest to those looking to understand the nuances and challenges of decision-making processes in the business world, as well as the balance between operational excellence and employee well-being. 
As part of a broader series on business thinking, it illustrates the importance of not viewing data-driven practices solely as the key to success, but rather as tools that must be employed with consideration for their potential human costs. 3. Layoff Runbook from GitHub.com In the midst of the technological sphere, an insightful article has emerged on GitHub, appropriately titled Layoff Runbook. Being laid off can be overwhelming and it's easy to miss important tasks. This runbook will help make sure you stay on track. The motive behind this piece is to lend a helping hand to employees, primarily software engineers, who are anticipating or have recently experienced the predicament of losing their jobs. The main body of the article comprises a comprehensive guide divided into three parts, before your last day of work, on your last day of work, and starting a job search. The author astutely addresses crucial concerns such as updating resumes, the importance of networking, contemplating personal finances, and dealing with emotions. Significantly, it emphasizes the need to stay organized while navigating through this turbulent period. This runbook will help make sure you stay on track, ensures the author as the goal is to alleviate stress during these trying times. In the first part, the article focuses on actions to take if an employee senses potential layoff. The second part delves deeper into maintaining a checklist and ensuring certain tasks are completed on the last day of work, taking into account both before and after losing access to work systems. The third segment of the guide assists the reader in the daunting journey of starting a job search, deciding the duration of the search, and understanding potential platforms for new opportunities. Furthermore, it highlights the significance of preparing for technical interviews. As we dissect the article, it is evident that the emphasis is on thorough preparedness, thoughtful organization, and taking proactive initiatives during each stage of the layoff journey. The author not only provides practical guidance but also encourages submission of additional insights or suggestions. This article's significance lies in its support and practical approach to those in difficult professional circumstances. By taking heed of these well-informed steps, affected individuals can lessen their burdens and strive for a smoother transition toward new opportunities. Part 8. Learn. 1. Ox from sesquiotic.com. The article, titled Ox, is a delightful exploration of the word ox and its different meanings, associations, and uses. Originally published in Sesquiotica, the author begins by considering the question, why is it called oxtail if it's from a cow? The author proceeds to discuss their upbringing in ranch country in Alberta, where they were aware of oxen as a draft animal but did not fully understand their significance. They touch upon an interesting historical tidbit about how Oxfam got its name from the Oxford Committee for Famine Relief, then recount their discovery that oxen are, in one sense, the same as cows and bulls but have been used as draft animals. The article delves into the linguistic evolution of the word ox and how its various meanings are derived from different roots. An intriguing connection between the ox and oxymoron and oxygen, both stemming from the Greek oxus meaning sharp, keen, bright, and thus wise is revealed. They also address the plural of ox being oxen and the rarity of the ending n in English. In conclusion, the exploration of the word ox brings about a better understanding of its historical origins and multiple meanings. Whether as a draft animal, a playful tic-tac-toe character, or a part of complex linguistic connections, the word ox holds a unique and interesting place in the English language. The article serves as a reminder that words often have rich and diverse backgrounds, even those as seemingly ordinary as ox. 2. The magic of DC-DC voltage conversion from ilcamtoof.substack.com The article from Ilcamtoof's thing delves into the complex world of DC-DC voltage conversion, which is used in almost every consumer electronic device. It explores various voltage conversion techniques such as resistor-based voltage dividers, linear regulators, switched capacitor converters, and inductor-based voltage regulators like buck converters. 
Buck converters prove to be a popular voltage conversion method as they produce tightly controlled outputs with high efficiency, even when handling several amps. They also offer excellent voltage regulation and can operate semi-continuously. However, limitations exist in the form of increased resistance in the inductor coil and leakage of electromagnetic fields, leading to radio interference. This article suggests that pre-configured and designed voltage converters would be a better option for most enthusiasts rather than attempting to build them from scratch. Boost converters, capable of supplying higher voltages than buck converters, share similar advantages and disadvantages. A reader, experienced in power electronics, emphasizes choosing the right rated power, managing input and output voltages, and opting for a pre-configured design. Overall, the article aims to demystify DC-DC voltage conversion and provide a comprehensive understanding of the techniques and their practical applications in electronics. Part 9, Startup News. 3. Lego breaks ground on first U.S. manufacturing facility from ManufacturingDive.com. In a recent article from Manufacturing Dive, Lego has broken ground on its first U.S. manufacturing facility. The $1 billion plant is located in Chester, Virginia, and is designed following the blueprint of LEGO's other factories worldwide, with plans to open in the second half of 2025. LEGO's COO Karsten Rasmussen stated that this carbon-neutral facility is part of the company's goal to reduce carbon dioxide emissions by 37% by 2032. Once completed, the factory will employ over 1,700 individuals in molding, processing, and packing machinery. LEGO is also recruiting up to 500 people for a temporary packing facility that they plan to open in the first half of 2024. This new facility will be their second in North America, with the first one located in Monterey, Mexico. LEGO has manufacturing plants in Denmark, the Czech Republic, Hungary, and China, and is preparing to open a carbon-neutral site in Vietnam. The new Virginia location aims to bring LEGO closer to major U.S. markets, allowing for a shorter supply chain and a quicker response to consumer demands. The significance of this article to readers includes the expansion of LEGO's manufacturing capabilities and its commitment to environmental sustainability. Additionally, the construction of this U.S. facility can boost the company's presence and accessibility within the American market. The quote, Boston is ranked one of the best cities in the world to attract and retain talent. This, along with its world-class academic institutions, skilled workforce and great quality of life makes it an ideal location for our U.S. head office, Kodak said. We have exciting plans for the next phase of growth. Outlines Lego's intention to further establish its roots in the U.S. and denotes the city's potential to foster the company's ambitious growth strategy. Part 10. Fun. 1. Homemade Rocketship Treehouse, Hardware to Custom OS from Rocket.John.net. The Ravenna Ultra Low Altitude Vehicle, Rulov, is a fascinating and unique piece that combines the excitement of space travel with the whimsy of a treehouse. This article details the creation of the Rulov, a hexagonal capsule with an overall height of about 15 feet, designed and built by John Howell and Jeremy Elson in 2009-2010. The Rulov is a visual and auditory spectacle, featuring a welded mild steel frame with a riveted aluminum skin. Providing an immersive experience, it's adorned with nearly 800 LEDs forming dozens of numeric displays across 14 control panels labeled with phrases such as lunar distance and hydraulic pressure. The pilot controls the rocket using a joystick and numerous working switches, knobs, and buttons. Underneath the capsule, three thrusters shoot plumes of water and compressed air simulating real positioning thrusters. To complete the illusion, a paint shaker and powered subwoofer simulate the vibration and rumble of a rocket engine during takeoff and docking sequences. Operating behind the scenes are three ATmega328 microprocessors controlling Rulov's operations on custom-fabricated printed circuit boards. 
these processors run a small operating system called RULOS, designed specifically for this project. They communicate using an in-rocket TWI network and will eventually be able to communicate with the house over a serial port. A trench connects the house to the rocket, carrying 12 VDC power for lighting and electronics, water for thrusters, compressed air, and several data signals. The article not only chronicles Rulov's design and construction through numerous photos and videos but also invites enthusiasts in the Seattle area to visit and experience this remarkable creation in person. In analyzing the content and significance of this article, one must recognize the innovation and dedication of John Howell and Jeremy Elson in creating the Rulov. It serves as an example of imaginative engineering, an inspiring and delightful fusion of technology and adventure. As the creators themselves put it, if you're ever in the Seattle area, stop by and visit. You are go for launch. 3. I built a multiplayer voxel browser game engine from kevzettler.com. In a detailed blog post, Kev Zettler reflects on his experience building a multiplayer voxel browser game engine. The post delves into his inspirations, motivations, and the lessons he learned during the project. Inspired by IO Games and a desire to recreate the cancelled MMO Xteal, Zettler embarked on the journey of creating a captivating 3D multiplayer browser game. His background in web development and design informed his choice of using familiar tools and environments. Zettler examined various tech stacks, including Babylon.js, 3.js, and Stackle, aiming to ensure support for the 3D asset pipeline. However, each engine presented different challenges and limitations in the context of the project. Ultimately, Stackle's modular approach, flexibility, and stateless rendering pattern with its primary rendering module, Riggle, proved the best fit. The project's ambitious goals were hindered by performance issues, as the use of React and Redux as the game state management solution was not optimal. Due to its immutable update patterns conflicting with the object pooling required for garbage collector performance, a rewrite of the game state management became necessary. In conjunction with work demands and software entropy during time away from the project, this significantly slowed its completion. Though deemed unfinished, the project spun off several valuable open-source libraries and provided Zettler educational returns in terms of hardcore browser optimization and data processing techniques. Despite shortcomings in the multiplayer offerings from major engines, Zettler's focus on browser multiplayer experiences remains unabated, with alternative projects such as .BigBang, Manifold, and Ambient showing promising developments. 4. West Coast Trail the 75-kilometers-48-mile hike in Vancouver Island from Quok.com. West Coast Trail, the 75-kilometers-48-mile death hike is a personal account by Dan Quok of their challenging experience hiking the West Coast Trail in Vancouver Island. The article provides readers with detailed insights into the multi-day hike, including tips on proper preparation and managing various obstacles along the way. The author shares their reliance on resources like the book Blisters and Bliss and a Facebook group, as well as how they made their own dehydrated meals, aiming for a backpack weight of 20-30% to 30 of their body weight. Throughout the hike, Dan encounters various challenges such as large ladders, slippery rocks, uneven coastal hiking, and blisters. He discusses several debates within the hiking community, such as the choice between trail shoes versus boots and whether or not to bring hiking poles. The author also highlights beautiful scenery along the way and shares experiences of interacting with the Nitinot tribe at Nitinot Narrows, learning about crab trapping, and engaging in comfort camping. Overall, this article is a comprehensive and insightful resource for anyone considering embarking on the West Coast Trail hike. It emphasizes the importance of preparation, safety, and endurance, as well as acknowledging the unpredictable nature of outdoor adventures. 5. Null Island is one of the most visited places on Earth, and it doesn't exist from atlasobscura.com.
The article, Null Island is one of the most visited places on Earth from Atlas Obscura, piques the curiosity of listeners as it explores an imaginary place with very real significance in the world of Geographic Information Systems, GIS. The island is strategically situated at 0 degrees north and 0 degrees east in the South Atlantic Ocean, acting as a temporary home for misfit data, geospatial data points that land on Null Island when geocoding errors occur. The story delves into the island's role in geocoding, a conversion process that transforms address data into geographic coordinates for mapping purposes. The author cites various factors that can lead to geocoding glitches, such as non-existent building numbers, spelling mistakes in street names, and even issues stemming from the geocoder itself. When errors like these happen during the geographic data conversion process, the output becomes 0,0, which corresponds to the imaginary location of Null Island. While Null Island may primarily be known as a geographer's in-joke, it also serves a real-world purpose. A weather observation buoy called Station 13010, also known as Sol, is anchored at the island's coordinates. Operated by NOAA, this buoy is part of the prediction and research moored array in the Atlantic, Parata, program and gathers information on various weather variables to support climatic research and forecasting. Overall, this fascinating article not just entertains but also serves to enlighten readers on the curious intersection of imagination and scientific utility that gives life to the intriguing concept of Null Island. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.